welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady. I'm your host, and I have my co-host with me today, Lou Weiss. Lou is uh, traveling. He's not in the studio, but Lou, how are your uh, how's your day going? My day's going great, and the, the weather's a lot better than it is in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, South Beach is uh, having a wonderful 80-degree, no humidity, slight breeze, and uh, some beautiful women. Okay, so I'm uh, going to leave the studio now. I'm headed to South Beach. You'll have to carry on from here. All righty. The beautiful woman, by the way, is my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a safe call. It's a safe comment. Uh, Lou, what uh, what's the update on the port situation in Los Angeles? I don't know that it's gotten any better, but what have you heard? Well, I guess uh, if it hasn't gotten worse, that's probably good news. Um, it's it sort of gotten worse uh, in that they're not solving anything. They've got one or two uh, of the issues, quote unquote, uh, on the road to resolution, uh, but uh, this is not going well. And uh, um, you know, in looking at uh, the numbers, uh, uh, our guest uh, Brad Holcomb will probably be talking about that. I'd, I'd be surprised that our numbers aren't being affected yet by the port. Uh, issue. Um, I know that our metals company, All Metals and Ford Group, were making alternate plans in terms of shipping our goods uh, from uh, instead of shipping into California, we're going to be shipping our goods uh, into uh, New York. Uh, you know, we're tired of uh, these six, seven months of uh, living on the, the, the edge of our, our chair. So, uh, the port issue is not uh, progressed uh, particularly uh, well. So that being said, uh, referring back to our show of last week, our postscript, we had uh, Cliff Waldman from Maypie uh, on our show, and he was talking about uh, basically this topic, uh, Made in America versus uh, Made in America. Um, where the supply chain is changing so rapidly that it's hard to tell if something's made in America because so many of the components of uh, products are not made in America. So is it made in America or is it made elsewhere? Uh, you can tune into that show and uh, hear uh, Cliff. He's uh, a brilliant guy, been on the show uh, multiple times, and uh um, Maypie is uh, really professional in the, in the level of information that they put out on a global basis, and uh, I recommend that anyone who wants to hear what's going on globally uh, tune in to Cliff Waldman. Uh, Tim? Uh, and we have another uh, professional on our show today from ISM, the Institute of Supply Management. We're glad to have Brad Holcomb with us, who's the chair of the ISM's Manufacturing Business Survey Committee, and he gives us the latest manufacturing report on business, but he does more than what the soundbite gives you on the nightly news, uh, just the number and either it's up or down. Uh, and as we've talked to Brad before, it's never really down. It just rolls up differently. So, Brad, welcome to the show. 
Well, it's great to be here and uh, great to have an opportunity to, to talk about the report. Uh, you know, you made a point of the, the headlines that people uh, hear and see. There's a lot more to the story, and we'll try to, uh, uh, to flesh that out for the audience today. Great. Um, why don't you give them the the, uh, the synopsis of the report, and, and let's kind of roll right through it, because there's a lot of great information this month. Great. So the, the PMI itself is at 53.5, and again, anything above 50 represents growth in the manufacturing sector, which is comprised of 18 different uh, industries that we follow. Uh, So at 53.5, again, growing. It's growing slower than last month. It was down in terms of a rate of growth by 1.6 percentage points from December's number of 55.1, but it's growing for 20 consecutive months. Something else, uh, just by way of, of background and setting the table here, that goes on in January each year is we go back and we re-seasonalize uh, those uh, subcomponents of the PMI, which uh, statistically warrant seasonalization to take the effects of, of uh, short months and holidays and, uh, and normal weather patterns, et cetera, such that each month, uh, as a result, looks like any other month. And so that has just taken place And when I refer, for example, to December's PMI of 55.1, that is a seasonally adjusted number, uh, which uh, previously was 55.5. In any case, the PMI is growing. So manufacturing is growing. It's not growing quite as quickly as it was uh, last month, but nevertheless growing. All of the five subcomponents of the PMI are above 50 as well, and that's good news. So it's a nicely balanced uh, report in that sense. Uh, Let me uh, tick off these five sub-indexes in order and talk a little bit about them. Okay. New orders is something that we always really focus on. It sort of uh, drives this whole system, if you will. It is at 52.9, again, growing, but it's growing uh, quite a bit slower than last month by 4.9 percentage points. But it uh, has also been growing, like the PMI, for 20 consecutive months. And I'll come back to more detail on new orders uh, in a moment. Uh, Production is the second index feeding into the PMI is at 56.5, nicely above the midpoint of the 50s, but it is down 1.2 percentage points from last month, nevertheless growing and growing for the 11th consecutive month. Uh, Employment is another one that many people focus on, as, uh, as we all do and as we should It's at 54.1, a respectable number, but down 1.9 percentage points uh, from last month, but employment uh, growing for the 19th consecutive months. 
and I'll, I'll pause on employment to, to refer to another number in the report under the employment section, and that is we do correlate our employment figures with the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, similar sequence and series on uh, manufacturing employment, and we find that anything above 50.6 generally translates into higher numbers later in the week, and I think it's Friday that the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, reveals their manufacturing employment numbers. So we're well above the 50.6 that I mentioned and should generally translate into good numbers later in the week. The fourth uh, sub-index, supplier deliveries, these are deliveries of raw materials and uh, commodities uh, to to the receiving end of manufacturing. It's at 52.9. It suggests that deliveries are slow and and slowing, Uh, not quite as much as last month by 5.7 percentage points, but anything above 50 uh, suggests that suppliers are having a difficult time sort of keeping up with the demand for raw materials and commodities from manufacturing. That's why anything above 50 is is really a good thing uh, because it reflects tightness in the supply chain. And that has been the case for 20 consecutive months. And then finally, inventories of raw materials is at 51.0. That's five and a half percentage points, kind of recovering from the low 45.5 that we saw in December. Um, But it is growing now from what was uh, contracting. And so inventories are back in a very nice place in anticipation of, uh, of a continuation of orders. And so what, what we've just talked about are, the five sub-indexes and the PMI itself, all nicely above 50, which is where we like things, um, but they are uh, down from, from last month, except for inventories, which is up in terms of a rate of growth. And a lot of the mainstream press focus on these percentage points down from last month and really don't emphasize the better point that the numbers are well above 50 and growing. So let's, let's always uh, look at the numbers first and appreciate them. They are growing, not just, not just as fast as, as last month. Well, Brad, we, so we try the- not to uh, focus on what bleeds leads, and uh, so we can appreciate uh, what you're saying, and, and you're right. The uh, mainstream media always shows, oh, my God, it went down. It's gonna, we're, we're heading to the edge of the cliff. Uh, yeah. That being said, you have your own personal little uh, formula that uh, uh, you've uh, told us a couple of times. I'd like you to share that with our right. uh, uh, listeners, uh, which I find actually quite useful in uh, my business, and that's having to do with, uh, uh, forgive me, uh, it's new new orders and inventory formula? Correct. Is that correct? Yes, yes. You want to explain it's, that to it's, us? It's, it's sort of an off-the-page uh, uh, combination of indexes that I find uh, interesting and meaningful, and that is to 
subtract new orders, which is 52.9, or subtract inventories, which is 51 from new orders, 52.9. That turns out to be 1.9 percentage points. It's positive, but I like a number which is is five or greater, and it's been five or greater uh, by by quite a bit the last three months. Uh, It's come down to 1.9, still positive, but it suggests that, you know, things are, um, you know, kind of interesting right now. And, and I'll talk more about that. But, but let, me, let me talk uh, a little bit more about new orders. And that is on the detail page, uh, your audience will notice that 10 of the 18 industries that we follow are reporting a growth in new orders and four are reporting a decline in new orders, which means that four are staying even from last month. So 14 of the 18 are either reporting growth in new orders or level from last month, which was a pretty good month. Now, among those that are reporting a decline is petroleum and coal products, which embraces all of the oil, natural gas, Uh, and and in general, the energy sector, which is about 10% of total manufacturing uh, GDP. And so they're reporting orders are down, they're ordering less equipment, fewer supplies, et cetera, as they kind of hunker down around the new oil price uh, situation. And, uh, you know, we've heard uh, uh, tons about that, of course. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, um, you know, those are the details which I think are very meaningful as we try to appreciate what this entire report uh, means. Um, I'd also like to provide a a little uh, longer-term perspective on this PMI of 53.5 in January. Um, If you go back to 2012, 2013, 2014, those January PMI numbers were all lower than the current 53.5. And the subsequent Februaries for those years was always higher than those respective Januaries. So just looking at uh, the historical perspective and everything else in this report, I think we are well positioned to see a higher number in February and going forward. Uh, another way that we can sort of, you know, judge that or, or glean some insights into sort of where we're going from here is by looking at the respondents, uh, what I call verbatim quotes or comments. And the, the preponderance of comments uh, indicate very strong customer demand. Uh, We have the first one from the food, beverage, and tobacco group. Strong customer demand for our products continues to grow. From the uh, transportation equipment, consumer demand remains strong for automotive, and this particular company is seeking alternatives to maximize production with existing production capacity. So they're probably looking at other shifts, more overtime, et cetera. 
So again, strong demand from the automotive uh, area. Computer and electronic products. Sales have stayed very strong, even with the dip in oil prices. Uh, finally, there's one from Primary Metals, which is near and dear to our hosts' uh, hearts. Business in 2015 has started off on a fast pace, very busy from Primary Metals. So that's reflective of the comments, and the importance of those comments is that it's more forward-looking on the part of our, our panel or our professionals out in 350 or so different companies. They're looking at their order books, which, as you all know, goes out you know, th three, four months, um, uh, sometimes six months, sometimes even longer. So they're reflecting on the order books that they have in hand when they talk about these, these comments and give us a flavor for things to come. So I think, again, we're well positioned. Uh, we've got a good start for the new year, and we can anticipate uh, you know, uh, that we're well positioned for growth as we go forward. Uh, Brad, uh, I'll uh, just throw in my two cents worth uh, about the near and dear to my heart, and that's the primary metals. And uh, you're right, uh, we're finding uh, very strong uh, hitting the ground running in January, uh, which was actually just a continuation of what we experienced in December. And we hear from our friendly competitor, uh, Forge facilities around the country. They're all uh, they're all pretty busy, and uh, with lots of uh, uh, potential uh, business uh, coming from the comments of their customers as well as my customers, that there's a lot of good good things in the garden that are going to be popping over the next uh, 60, 90 days. So I, I throw that at you uh, to support mm -hmm. the point that you were making. Great, great. Now let me touch on some other comments here. I've highlighted three concerning the West Coast uh, port dock slowdown situation. And it is more than annoying. It's causing real disruption uh, in terms of imports and exports and uh, having a negative impact on certain inventories as well. And it's causing manufacturing, as you mentioned earlier, to do some workarounds, have goods coming and going from other ports, doing air shipments, which costs more, et cetera. So we're really hoping that this gets, gets resolved in the near future. Our three comments regarding this problem come from wood products, chemical products, uh, and the machinery industries, three of our 18 industries. The first one from wood products, uh, in combination with the Chinese New Year, West Coast port dock slowdown, coupled with railroad embargo, all creating logistical challenge, challenges and increased backlog of orders. From the chemical products industry, dock problems in California continue to delay shipments out of the West Coast. And then finally, from paper products, West Coast port slowdown is getting serious. The mill has 40-plus days of production at the ports and various warehouses. So we've got inventories of, of finished goods piling up there. Not a good situation, um, again, causing us to, to do workarounds. 
Where do you think that's going to start to have an impact on uh, GDP and reflected in the PMI? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I can't really tease that out or, or predict. Uh, just you know, hope like everyone else that it gets gets resolved. Um, I do feel that it has impacted uh, inventories uh, to some degree and certainly uh, squeezing margins in terms of having to do air shipments of raw materials and, and parts from overseas, uh, seeking out new ports, uh, et cetera. Okay. So, well, so Brett, I think I what it's – go ahead. I'm sorry, Brad. I imagine in your uh, uh, daily activities in assembling this report that you have occasion to talk to an economist here or there what are they hearing from corporate America, and what are they hearing from the uh, American consumer in terms of confidence? I think consumer confidence, uh, new, new subject from what we were discussing. Everything I hear is that consumer confidence uh, right now is solid. And uh, one of the uh, key economists that I pay a lot of attention to is Brian Westbury, and uh, he, he talks about that, that the fundamentals are still strong uh, in place. Consumers, uh, you know, drive this, this bus and their confidence is strong. So, you know, you'll hear from the mainline uh, news bureaus you know, the, the negatives, right, and, and the gloom and doom. I mean, I think that's, that's what they thrive on. That's what, you know, sells papers to use an old expression, et cetera. But there's a lot more to the story, and that's what we try to do on, on this show uh, as well. But still, the mainstream media, for example, is not really covering the West Coast port situation because it's not interesting to them or, or, or they don't want to rock the boat. I, I, I really don't know. Um, so, again, on a number of fronts, you have to look deeper and appreciate things for the way they really are as opposed to just looking for the negatives, look for the positives, and try and find a, a balanced uh, uh, point of view. Well, by the way, Brad, just to clear up any confusion that our listeners might have, in the report, the 53.5 is referred to as the PMI, which is what it was called some years ago. Does the mainstream media still call it PMI or the ISM number? Maybe you could explain the, the transition yep. from PMI if somebody's made it. Yes. Uh, the, the mainstream media uh, uses the, simply the, the initials PMI, and that's become really the, the trademarked uh, logo, if you will. And ISM, the Institute for Supply Management, uh, owns the copyright uh, the registration mark for PMI. Uh, it used to be called, and this is where the initials come from, the Purchasing Managers Index. <clears throat> that that is no longer uh, a part of the the nomenclature. It's simply PMI. Uh, the initial word uh, purchasing or purchasing manager. The profession has gone so far beyond that to procurement and supply management that purchasing is is too restrictive at this point. So once again, it's simply PMI, and everybody that I know 
uh, has has rallied around that. Okay, and why don't okay. we uh, let you wrap up uh, with the other five sections of your report that are always quite revealing. Uh, yes, and I'd like to do a couple of them quickly. Imports and exports, imports of raw materials, very strong at 55.5, up a half. Uh, and then exports is down uh, to 49.5, contracting the for the first time in 20 or 25 months. And I think that's a reflection of, of two things. I think primarily the stronger dollar makes our finished goods more expensive, but I mm-hmm. think there's plenty of optimism that that'll pop back up as the rest of the world gets used to uh, higher prices for our, our goods. And and then I'd like to comment on the prices of raw materials is at 35, down another three and a half points from last month. Very much specifically, uh, that story is about the oil complex coming down, and we see in our list of commodities down in price, you know, all of those related commodities, gasoline, diesel, fuel oil, etc., but also the resins, which have uh, oil uh, inside them, plastic resins of various kinds, and also metals like stainless steel, steel, nickel, copper, aluminum. Those take a lot of energy to produce. Those are all down in price now uh, for two to three months uh, consecutively. Okay. Now, how about backlog of orders? That seems to have dropped. Yeah, backlog is at uh, 46. So the backlog is contracting. Uh, We we really don't like to see that uh, to this degree. It's at 46. That means production, uh, the level of production and capacity and related employment uh, in January uh, was was more uh, capable in terms of just producing against new orders, so they they ate into the backlog of orders uh, as as well. And so, uh, as always, we look forward to, to more and more new orders for the backlog to come up, for production to stay strong, for employment to be uh, moving in that direction as well. And, again, let's stay tuned for next month. I think we're well positioned for growth. The fundamentals are in place. The forward-looking comments suggest uh, a strong economy uh, with uh, new orders uh, on the horizon. Well, Brad, we'll look forward to your comments next month. We're glad to have you back on the show. We've appreciated having you on today. I understand you have another meeting you have to run out to, so you won't be joining us for the second half of the show. But thank you for being with us, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Always my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with Manufacturing Talk Radio in just a few moments and introduce our other guests. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, 
construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Radio. I am here now with uh, Linda Regano, who is the Executive Director of Media Relations of ThomasNet, and M.L. Peck, who is Senior Vice President of Program and Product Development at ISM. And uh, Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be back again. And M.L., I'm glad to have you back on the show with us. Thank you. Hello, ladies. This is uh, Lou. How you doing, Linda? And ML? Hi. Hi. Hi, Lou. Nice to Nice to hear your voice, Lou. Happy to be back. having you back again. Well, I want to uh, kind of shift the conversation from the manufacturing index numbers to a kind of a truly remarkable number, and that is the news from the Census Bureau. They're now projecting that the millennial population in the U.S. is surpassing the number of baby boomers. So finally, the the focus can shift to the young and -and up-and-coming stars, and that's what ML Peck and Linda Regano are going to talk about today are the uh, the 30 under 30 rising stars in the supply chain. Um, this has been a program that uh, I will let our uh, uh, guests talk about and how they uh, came up with it. Um, let me just kind of jump into this with uh, with you all, um, Linda. Why did we hold? Well, let me let me do this first, Linda. Give us a quick update on uh, Thomas Net and who you folks are and how you got involved in 30 Under 30. Sure, happy to. Um, you know, we, we both our organizations, Thomas Net and ISM, um, have a lot of synergies. We go back a long way, so we have a 100-year um, history with each other. And um, it was actually a Thomas Register salesman who uh, founded the very first chapter of ISM in New York, in New York City. And that really became the springboard to the, the ISM National. Um, but ThomasNet.com is, you know, we're all about um, the procurement process, sourcing and procurement. We're buyer's leading free resource for supplier discovery and product sourcing. And ISM is an organization that, you know, leads the way for all procurement, not procurement, but all supply chain through standards of excellence, their research, promotional activities. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of synergies, and we, we really have a very – a similar goal, which is to advance the purchasing profession, you know, the purchasing and supply chain profession. And ML, how did ThomasNet and ISM come together to come up with the 30 Under 30 program? Well, we came together because, as Linda said, we share a common goal, which is to advance the supply chain management profession. You know, and, and we talked about some of the different ways that ThomasNet does this through um, the leading free resource for supplier discovery and product sourcing and ISM does this through, as Linda said, professional standards, research, promotional activities. Um, and we saw a need to we saw a need to attract more millennials to the field. As you said, millennials are now surpassing baby boomers in numbers, in sheer numbers. 
And Linda, why hold the why hold the competition? What's going so, on out in the marketplace to have a competition? Okay, well, I mean, a couple of things. You know, it's supply chain is you know very similar to manufacturing. It's a uh, you know it's an audience that is dominated by baby boomers, and you know our job is to you know obviously promote the industry um, for both of us, but we wanted to really. We're, we're in a very strong effort to try and get more millennials interested in the business. And it's very important, I think, you know, as, as baby boomers are starting to retire, um, you know, and move on, we need to fill that pipeline of talent. And that's really critical to both, you know, manufacturing, but very much in supply chain. And so we wanted to be able to promote the profession. And we thought, you know, what better way? We all got together. I mean, this is the kind of thing which, you know, came out of a, you know, you were at a conference together and we're chit-chatting and we're saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had some kind of a program where we could highlight all these young people that are doing cool things? And ML has a a great quote, which, uh, ML, I'm going to steal your thunder here, but, you know, how, how do we inject the cool factor into supply chain? And that we said, you know, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we did a program like 30 Under 30? Because, and we deliberately picked 30 Under 30 because it has a lot of name recognition. Forbes and Fortune and Cranes and Inc., they all do 30 Under 30 programs to honor and highlight and promote young people doing great things. So we said, let's do a competition, um, you know, and see what happens. And so we, you know, we got we got together. We did, you know, it was, there was a lot of effort and energy that went into it. Um, but we kicked it off in last year at uh, ISM's May conference, and we held held the competition, not competition, but the, uh, the 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 contest from May through July 30th. And we invited people throughout the country to nominate people that they that were 30 years or under as of this this past December, and to you know, tell us about people that were doing creative things that were demonstrating leadership and, and innovativeness and, you know, people that were really just, you know, going over and above, you know, and beyond and and to demonstrate that. And we were blown away, you know, because at first when we did this, we just, you know, we kind of, you know, you know, held back and said, oh, gosh, I hope we get enough nominations. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll remember when we hit 30, we just kind of went, oh, you know. <laughs> I do. How yeah. many did you have? We got a couple of hundred. We got 225 nominations. Excellent. And it was awesome. Yes. Yes. Now, for our listeners, by the way, we've been following this story uh, quite a while. And let me apologize. I did something in uh, radio and television that's called Burying the Lead. Uh, This is the 30 Under 30 Rising Supply Chain Stars program that uh, Thomas Nett and ISM have put together, and here's the lead, folks. Just last Wednesday, Thomas Nett and ISM announced the names of the 30 under 30 professionals that are making their mark on the purchasing and supply chain management industry, including one megastar among them. Uh, so that's really what we're here to delve into with ML and Linda. And ML, why are supply chain careers such a good choice for millennials right now? Well, there's several reasons. The supply chain industry offers some of the top paying positions right out of school. So every year ISM does a salary survey, and last year's salary survey showed that the average pay for a professional with up to four years on the job is $72,119 a year, which is on par with engineering. But I think more importantly, supply chain management careers dovetail with millennials' value systems. These professionals are socially conscious and want to make a difference in their organization and their communities. Uh, In fact, our rising stars say that their positions empower them to improve access to vital products and services from medicines to clean energy. 
while contributing to sustainability goals. And they also are able to make a big financial impact. They're helping their organizations work more effectively, efficiently, and strategically through their supply chains. And collectively, this group of 30 are saving their companies hundreds of millions of dollars. It's very, very inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Did the, uh, the nominating... So the nominations were submitted by their peers in the field, usually their bosses or mentors, and um, you guys helped us to broadcast the word along with other outlets focused on the manufacturing and purchasing profession. So thank you. That's why we were able to get the response that we did. Yes. Well, you're welcome. We had fun promoting it, and uh, it's been a really kind of a dynamic program. We uh, have gone through some of the uh, – bios of the winners, if you will, including the megastar, and we're going to have uh, some of those on next week on our show to talk about uh, more of an in-depth look at the 30 Under 30 program and what these millennials are doing. Uh, oh, great. Linda, who made the selections? Uh, you know, it, it can't be easy going through 225 applications and trying to boil it down to 30 and then get a megastar. No, no, it was not easy at all. In fact, we had, you know, it was a joint, choosing the winners was really a joint collaboration between ISM and ThomasNet. Um, so ThomasNet narrowed down the first round, and then both organizations, um, you know, worked to make that final decision on who that megastar was going to be. But it was it was, it was, was a panel of uh, judges here, um, you know, so, some people in-house, some people outside. And, you know, we talked about the 30 under 30 megastar. What mm-hmm. is the megastar? Define that for our audience. ML, you want to take that one? <laughs> sure. So we define the megastar as, I mean, just the ultimate supply chain rock star. And that was so difficult to choose. As you, you know, as you've seen and you read the bios of those 30, they are all, again, inspiring and innovative and in, in what they're bringing to their – and the value that they bring to their companies is wonderful. But our main winner is Katie Conrad Maynard. She's 29 and a category manager at Shell Oil. She's currently on special assignment in London. And what really drew us in about her was her dedication to optimizing relationships within the supply chain in order to improve processes and really drive results within an organization. She also you know, t- took an initiative and started, was instrumental with the ISM Houston affiliate in creating the first emerging professionals group, which built a really huge, impressive network. And we just love young professionals that take this initiative to connect with others in the profession. You know, I have to share with you, I'm really impressed with reading the bios of these 30 individuals. I know that there's a a, uh, baby boomer consensus floating around out there that the millennials have no work ethic, and that is not what you read when you read the bios of these 30 individuals. They're not necessarily flying a desk in a cubicle, but they're working all the time. We were talking about uh, uh, Catherine Conrad and uh, the superstar, the megastar, sorry, uh, the megastar and what uh, what she does. And... Um, I, I also read uh, all of the uh, the bios uh, that uh, Tim was talking about a few moments ago, and they really were quite quite impressive. Um, I'm sure that the uh, not to be insulting, but the those who did not win, uh, as opposed to losers, uh, those who didn't win also, <laughs> I'm sure, are quite uh, quite impressive people. Uh, they- 
They were. I mean, Lou, we had. Um, I mean, it was it was the kind of thing where you know people just sat around the room and said, "I feel like such a slacker after reading all of these." Um, it, you know, let me. I, if I could, I just want to share a little bit. You know, just because we we learned some things from the winners, but we also went out and did a um, an additional survey to the winners to just to get a little bit more information and you know help paint a picture of you know what does this millennial you know generation look like in supply chain mind you, you know, we're, we're strictly focused on that. Um, but just a couple of things. I mean, on, on the average age, by the way, I mean, we said was, you know, 30, but it was the average age was 28. Um, and these folks were coming from all sorts of industries. I mean, everything from manufacturing to pharmaceutical to food to energy, education. There was one person that was a municipality, um, all doing some form of procurement or being in supply chain. Um, but, you know, a couple of themes were, were running through it, um, and ML jump in on, on any of these. Um, you know, the, the first one, you know, which – and these, by the way, are all bucking the the – the trend, or, or or I guess you could say the the what we call the negative um, conception of what a millennial is, but we saw that these folks were you know they, they were really rising stars. They were high energy. Um, they work hard. They play hard. Um, they're giving back through professional and community organizations. I mean, every single one told us that they were doing some kind of volunteer work. And, I mean, it might be volunteer work in a local association, such as ISM or APEX or National Institute of Government Purchasing. But it, in addition to that, they were doing volunteer work in things like Big Brothers and Big Sisters, Easter Seals, Ronald McDonald, Girl Scout, Meals on Wheels. I mean, you name it. I mean, I learned about charities I never even thought existed. Um, and just, you know, it was really heartwarming to, to see that. Um, and also, you know, family and sports you know, we're a big deal with this group. You know, it was, you know, it was kind of nice and heartwarming. We asked these folks, you know, who is your role model? And nearly every person said, my mom or my dad. You know, in reading the uh, the bios, um, I, I was really impressed considering the average age was uh, 28-ish. Uh, I was really impressed with the titles that some of these people had at these large organizations. I mean, very impressive. I mean, all of them appear to be really rising stars uh, within their own organizations. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, these were folks who are, you know, they also they love their jobs. I mean, hands down, they told us to, we asked what question, we said, if you could do it all over again at this point, would you still choose supply chain? And everyone said yes. I mean, I have, let me, I'll just share a couple of quotes that I, I wanted to, that I just thought were wonderful. Um, this one, one gal said, this profession has taught me so much about organizations and how they operate. I truly believe that a strong supply chain distinguishes great companies from good ones and gives that competitive edge that is crucial in today's global economy. You know, and then another person wrote, and uh, it was, this was kind of cute. He wrote, I would absolutely select this profession again. My position is interesting, varied, and shifts with new projects. And in a single day, I can write, present, negotiate, lead projects, and analyze information. And that's before lunch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, how often do you hear that? Not often. Not often. Yeah. yeah but we're looking. We're looking forward yeah. to having uh, a bunch of them on our show and delve uh, into their personalities, their backgrounds, and see if there's some commonality of what uh, what's driving these stars uh, that perhaps others don't have. 
So uh, we may do a kind of a Martian mind suck to see if there's a certain uh, uh, characteristics, personality characteristics, uh, and family backgrounds and so on that uh, make these people who they are. Well, well I, I don't think a lot gonna... of – I think there's a lot of characteristics um, with this generation that bring a lot of inherent value to companies. Um, but the companies that are succeeding in working with the millennials are the ones that understand that this group just works differently and they value those unique characteristics. You know, for example, this group naturally works in a collaborative style and builds communities, skills that are absolutely crucial to success in today's environment. They intuitively build and work with others within virtual teams, and they use technology to stay in tune with the community and the market. They've also had exposure and appreciation of different cultures from a very young age. They're very flexible. They're dedicated to the profession and doing things that have an impact. They want to take the lead. They want to have ownership of a project. They're very, very inspiring. Exactly. Yeah. Well, ML, I noticed that uh, last week we had Cliff Waldman on the show from Maypi, which is the Manufacturers Alliance of Productivity and Innovation, and he was talking about supply chain. And, you know, I think 20 years ago we thought about supply chain as my company is in, in Wisconsin and I'm getting supplies from Iowa and Illinois. Uh, today that's not true. Uh, the supply chain is a global supply chain, and I know that uh, some of the people who are in the supply chain are excited about because they get to travel because the emphasis now is on you need not to check out just your first tier suppliers, but your second and third tier suppliers, no matter where they are. Yeah. Now, ML, what's what's going on with ISM uh, in terms of uh, the future of procurement and supply chain management profession? So we always make sure that we always try to make sure that we've got a, a focus and an eye on the future and the upcoming trends and things that that we're seeing within supply management, some of the training, some of the changes, and we incorporate that into our trainings and our conferences. We'll be talking a lot about future trends at our annual conference in May in Phoenix, and we do make sure that we're in constant communication with our customers with um, at all levels of the organization so we can get a feel for what's really going on and how things are being implemented, what strategies are working best, um, just to identify some of those patterns, and then you know, publish our findings through our mag- magazine and, and blogs. And, and by the way, it's ISM's Centennial Conference. It is. It's going to be a big one. We're celebrating our 100th year at conference, so it will be a very exciting one to attend. Well, we hope to be there with you. That's right. We welcome That's you. Right. And you'll have a lot of winners to uh, interview. Excellent. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, that'll be fun to uh, be able to talk to the people uh, face-to-face. You're planning on having uh, many of the uh, winners there? At least nine of them right now have confirmed, but we've extended a complimentary invitation to all 30. So if they're they're available time-wise, then they'll be there. Excellent. We'd love to uh, have them all on the show. So, ML. What uh, what really do these results say about uh, the competition, about the future of procurement and supply chain? Well, I'd say, you know, Linda and I were actually talking about this, and overall it just represents a very bright future for the supply chain, and we're excited to be a part of it. it the process has been very ins- uh, inspirational. The excitement that these young pro- professionals possess is inspiring for all supply chain practitioners, no matter what level. Absolutely. Now, the- 
the megastar, you talked about uh, extending invitations to all of the winners. What did the what do the winners receive, ML? So uh, in addition to an outstanding amount of recognition, the winners receive free subscriptions to Spend Matters and Inbound Logistics, one free year of membership at ISM, and a complimentary registration to our annual conference in Phoenix in May. Now, how about the Megastar? So she would receive all of that plus um, an all-expense-paid trip to ISM 2015, our centennial conference, for her and her nominator, which was uh, hmm. Dave Allen with Shell. And we also got to put out there that these nominators were fantastic. It's clear that they're mentors in the field and that they took the time to put together um, these really fantastic and in-depth nominations was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Linda, uh, will you and ML, will ThomasNet and ISM hold this competition again? Absolutely. We're, uh, we're, we're getting ready. We're going to kick it off at the May conference, like, just like we did last oh. year. And um, we're going to be coming to you soon for some uh, help to promote that because we're, um, you know, with 225 nominations on this one, we're hoping that uh, we'll be getting lots more for the next one. Great. Great. Now, are there going to be any changes? Will anything be different? Probably not. You know, we deliberately kept the, the, the nomination form very simple. Um, you know, it's got some very direct questions about leadership and, and uh, you know, specific things that make this person a standout um, along with the backup. But we wanted, to, we wanted it to be something, you know, feasible that somebody could do, um, you know, relatively quickly and, and painlessly um, and still be able to get across, you know, what makes that person special. Uh, for any of our uh, listeners, uh, do you have um, a, a website where they can go and read some of these bios? Because they really are quite impressive, and uh, I'd like our listeners to be able to avail themselves of that. So if you Thank have you. an email address, uh, please share it. Yes, absolutely. Um, go to www.thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. So it's thomasnet.com slash 30 under 30. And and I, I wish to extend to our listeners that it really would be worth your while to see that there are millennials out there that are really worth their weight in salt, and they're really uh, startling uh, uh, stars, and that uh, you ought to read about them. They're, they're terrific people, and, I, uh, again, we are planning to have several of them on our show uh, in May uh, at the uh, the uh, uh, centennial for uh, ISM. I'm sure we're going to be able to interview a bunch of them there. Uh, so go listen to it at mfgtalkradio.com. Uh, the sorry, the, your your uh, URL is thomasnet slash thirty under thirty. Thomasnet.com slash thirty under thirty. But but I'm sure you have it up there too at Manufacturing Talk Radio. So I think I either think, way you'll be able to get that. And we certainly look forward to uh, talking to some of these stars and to help you promote it because it turned out to be uh, a really truly remarkable program. I, I know that uh, when you first talked about it and we first talked about it, we were kind of because it was new, all wondering, you know, what it's what's going to uh, evolve out of this. And then when you read the bios of these people. Uh, that were that were selected, and I know there were 225 who probably also had impressive bios. The kind of fresh, young thinking that's taking place with the millennials and the creativity is truly remarkable. I hope it's happening across all industries, 
not just in the supply chain because we need it everywhere in this country. But you, you guys have done a terrific job. We'd like to congratulate you on it. Really, had a job well done. Well, thank you. It, thank it, you. It, 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 it took a village, and we had a fun. We had a fun time. This was great. I, and I think uh, you know we uh, we want to talk about it next week on our show. And uh, Linda and ML, we want to stay in touch with you to begin to look at how we promote the next segment of this, uh, because I think the 30 Under 30 sequel uh, is going to be equally revealing of what these, uh, I call them kids only because I'm a you know gray hair guy. Uh, I'm in the baby <laughs> boom generation, so they look like kids to me. But, yeah, but uh, you're still a baby boomer. <laughs> at least, at least I don't the know baby what came part. before bum, bum, bum. boomers. <laughs> the silent yeah. generation. The silent generation. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. guess oh, I'm but... part of the silent generation. <laughs> and that goes through history. That's good. Emma, <laughs> uh, just as we kind of wrap up here, I would like you to touch on a, a little bit more about ISM, and then I'm going to go to Linda and have her do a wrap up on ThomasNet, but. Uh, ISM brings a lot of great stuff to the table. So why don't you just kind of hit the high marks of what the ISM uh, Association brings to its members? Sure. So we're the leading association for supply chain practitioners throughout the world. We have uh, more than 45,000 members and probably triple that in customers. We deliver market intelligence, certification, training, and professional development to the global market of procurement and supply chain management professionals. Um, We also created and we published the PMI index as part of our monthly report on business. As you know, you just interviewed Brad. And the PMI is closely followed by governments and in capital markets is a leading indicator of global economic conditions. And they also published, by the way, the non-manufacturing report on Mm -hmm. business, which kind of dovetails in with the manufacturing report. If you get those two reports and lay them side by side. And I think Tony Nieves is the chair of that, and his report comes out in maybe four or five days here. You lay those two reports side by side, and you get a pretty good picture of what's happening in uh, in supply chain. Absolutely. Uh, Linda, Linda, what's going on with Thomas Net these days? Now, for those of you who are, are not familiar with it, which would be mildly remarkable, but they used to be the Thomas Registered Big Green Books. They're now uh, Thomas Net Online. So give us a uh, kind of the high water marks for Thomas Net, Linda. Happy to, happy to. Thomas Net provides solutions that make it easier for buyers, and when I say buyers, procurement, um, you know, supply chain, and engineers to partner with the right supplier. Um, we've been doing this for well over a century. Again, with, through the big green books, Thomas Register in the very beginning, it was really considered the indispensable uh, you know, guide to, to B2B buyers and manufacturers. And today we're proud to be you know, thomasnet.com. I mean, we've been online for quite some time, but thomasnet.com is, offers tools to facilitate every step of the buying process. And we start this really through our leading supplier discovery platform, which is free online completely free to use at thomasnet.com. Um, there are a number of different uh, applications, um, everything from you know from supplier discovery to product sourcing for very specific things to finding CAD drawings, companies that make their 2D and 3D CAD drawings online, um, a um, supplier diversity portal that most people don't may not know about, but that's something that's relatively new. Um, so we've got lots of resources. We also have um, our, our, our secret weapon, I should say, is Kristen Cardi, 
who is our uh, head of audience outreach, and she actually goes out and talks to procurement teams and to uh, and her her uh, colleague Ed Edwards. They speak to engineering teams, procurement teams, and help them to leverage all the free resources. And that's something that we do completely free of charge. Um, and you can find out more if you go to thomasnet.com, and you can see what we do coming online, you know, or arranging for webinars. Now, I know that when we interviewed you folks out at, uh, I believe it was the ISM show uh, in May in Las Vegas, if memory serves, uh, you you were at that time launching, uh, relaunching thomasnet.com. And one of the things you had incorporated in that was if I have an RFQ and I send it in, I can get a live engineer on the phone to talk about my RFQ to help me source it. Is that right? It's it's a service that's called Custom Quotes, and it's available, uh, again, free of charge. So if you're an engineer, you might be somebody in procurement who doesn't, you know, if you're looking to, to, uh, to find a supplier and don't know much about, you know, a certain process, let's say it's a particular kind of custom injection molding, you can go to thomasnet.com, click on the Custom Quotes application, um, put in your requirements, the things that are important to you, and we will actually have an engineer who will work hand-in-hand -hand with you and come back and with recommendations of suppliers that can meet your needs. So it's, think, it's almost like a, like a hidden um, procurement specialist that's working for you. I think I have to have a talk with some of your engineers, particularly about open-die forgings and who the right forge shop is that they should be sending their your uh, clients to. Well, there's only one. That's you, Lou. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like having a self-serving radio show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You should be shameless promotion, right? Right, right. Well, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Lou's website address is steelforge.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-F-O-R-G-E.com. Uh, you can find a link to it also on mfgtalkradio.com. They are the sponsors of the show. We have been on the air for more than a year now because of the good graces of uh, All Metals and Forge Group that has supported uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio. And, Linda, we would like to thank you and ML Peck for being our guests on the show today. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Pleasure thank talking you. with you both again. Thanks. Glad we got caught up on this 30 Under 30 program, very exciting program. Uh, I, again, I encourage everybody to read those bios, quite remarkable. Uh, the only thing that uh, that might lead to is people are going to try to poach those people because they're pretty good. Lou? I just want to mention that uh, to our listeners that uh, uh, those who did not hear our whole show today, uh, that they can come to mfgtalkradio.com in about an hour and a half and the show will be uh, up on the website and can re-listen to it. So uh, with that said, uh, ladies, uh, again, thank you for being on our show and uh, uh, sharing uh, your uh, 30 under 30 information. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And that's it. And that's it for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.